brightly upon our Savior Jesus Christ this evening. Uh, it's great to have all of you here. What a, what a wonderful time for us as a church body to remember the death of Christ together on this Good Friday. And uh, it is, uh, it is a, my great privilege to share with you uh, a brief encouragement from God's word as we reflect upon the death of Christ on this Good Friday. Looking forward uh, for this Sunday when we can celebrate the Lord's resurrection. But tonight, we focus our thoughts on the death of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Today's message is entitled, The Death of Death in the Death of Christ. And before you start thinking I'm really clever, uh, I did not come up with this title. This was a, a title uh, for, of a little work by a, a Puritan named John Owen. And uh, John Owen's work is entitled that. And you would, and it really is, if you ever read it, it's a, it's pretty difficult reading. Uh, but it's about the doctrines of grace, particularly the doctrine of limited atonement. However, while I have borrowed his title this evening, the doctrines of grace are not my particular subject this evening. I'm not going to talk about limited atonement for us, though I'm sure you all would like to hear about that. Invite me back next time and we'll talk about it again. Rather, this evening I want to focus on the subject of death. I don't know how much you think about death. Seeing that the majority of you out there are half my age or younger, uh, you probably don't think about death. So I thought to myself, well, and those of you that are my age and above, well, I know you've thought about it. How do you convey to a young person who is in their 20s, 30s, teens, about the terror the tragedy of death and actually how horrible and how real and at times how intense death is. And so I, I, I'm not sure, but I will share from my own experience a bit then I want to open up God's word to you a bit. And I pray that really it would be the spirit of God who would cause even a, our young people here, your, your young adults, young men and women, to grasp the terror and tragedy and yet the reality and the ultimate inevitability of death and how horrible it is. Because until we realize how horrible death is, we will not quite fully grasp how wonderful, how amazing the death of Christ is for us. This past year, uh, I have personally faced my own mortality. I believe it's the first time in my life that I've come to the place. I think, well, sixth grade camp, I almost drowned, so that was one time. But after that, I didn't think about it again. But this past year, I've thought about my mortality quite a bit. I thought and I've experienced and I've felt the shadow of death upon my life. From my father's death earlier in 2016 to the birth of our boys and, and the, the thoughts of what it would do to them if I were to die to our associate pastor moving on to another ministry and realizing what would happen to this church if I were to die made me really 
kind of just God used all this kind of circumstance to make me realize that my death is coming. And can I tell you, brothers and sisters, it has really tested me. There have been times in just taking a shower or just in the quiet of lying down where the terror of death grips me. And I immediately cry out to God, oh, Lord, help. How can I feel this? Why, why would I think this way? Why, why do I have this fear of death? But it is something that, being human, we all will experience at some point to some greater or lesser degree. But through the tests, I am thankful for it. God gives us tests, and it's all from the Lord. And I tell you, because of the tests, I have grown to treasure the gospel of Christ even much more in this past year. You know, when we think about death, we can talk about death. So let me just talk about death for a little bit. Okay, a little bit gloomy, but hey, it's Good Friday, okay? Uh, death, when we talk about death, we, we have to talk about the types of death, the types of death. We can talk about the types of death, and we'll talk about the causes of death. First of all, the types of death. Well, there is the obvious kind of type of death, and that is physical death. Physical death, that is uh, when our bodies die, basically, when, our, when this life that we live comes to an end. That alone can be broken down into several categories as well, multiple categories, but I'll just give you two. There is clinical death. I've been uh, reading a lot about it, just kind of reflecting upon it. Clinical death, oftentimes... Uh, measured by the cessation of our, of our hearts, our, our, our heart beating or our breathing. Or maybe also nowadays, uh, it's actually more, there's a more holistic view to our death. That is when the, actually the, the brain into, stops functioning in totality. That is because you can be, you know, when you think about uh, doctors actually consider these ethical questions all the time. Because you, you want to know, is the person alive or not? Because doctors vow to do no harm. Is the person alive when their, uh, when their heart is still beating, but there's no brain activity, they ask themselves. But yet, there's, without any ventilation, the brain by itself, it just has enough, uh, is it, it functions just enough so that it causes the body to continue to breathe and beat on its own. But yet, there's, when they measure the brain, there is no activity whatsoever. So we talk about clinical death, and some of you, I'm sure you, many of you are medical professionals out there. You could tell a lot better than I, I can, but that's my, the layman's concept of it. Then there's, of course, uh, not only clinical death, but there's legal death. It's when the doctor comes along and, and looks at, at a person and evaluates the different elements of what we might call clinical death and then declares that someone is dead irreversibly, that nothing they can do can bring about this person back to life. We've all heard of stories where some, so, so, you, know, you can be clinically dead, but not legally dead. Because in clinical death, you may stop breathing, you may stop uh, uh, your, but then people apply CPR to you, and then you come back to life. And there's stories about that all, all the time. Well, the first type of death, that's physical death. And all of us are going to face that to some extent. All of us eventually are going to slow down, and we're going to die. Physical death. There's another type of death, though. A second type of death is 
spiritual death. And this is much worse. Ever since the fall, the fall of man, Adam and Eve's temptation, deception by the serpent, and Adam's rebellion against God's command, death entered the world. Death entered the world, but they themselves were spirit, became spiritually dead. They were spiritually separated from God as symbolized by God sending them out of the garden no longer to have a, that intimate fellowship with God. And ever since that fall, every single man, woman, and child in this world that ever existed, and that's every single one of us here, has been born with a sinful nature. A sinful nature that by itself is given to sin. We cannot help but sin. We do not sin as bad as we could, but we cannot stop ourselves from sinning. We can try. We can live, try to live aesthetic, uh, uh, the uh, lives of monks. We can try to uh, beat ourselves. We can try to uh, discipline ourselves to, to, to a great extremes, but still, nevertheless, we fall into sin. And that sin separates us from God. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, as Ephesians 2.1 says. Really, uh, we are what we, you know, the term you heard, dead man walking, that's what all of us are. We are all dead men walking. We may not think we're dead, but we are dead in our sins. And eventually, what we are dead spiritually will happen to us physically and what's more, when though we are physically dead, we're sep- we are separated from God uh, on earth. But when we physically die, that spiritual death takes another, another leap. It, tr- it becomes even worse in that we become separated from God in eternity, for eternity, in hell. Where there is only darkness, fire, gnashing of teeth, weeping. I say again, darkness. You know, darkness, just reflecting upon that, that separation from God is a, is a disorienting experience. I just walk around my living room at night and there's a little bit of light and I'm disoriented. I'm like, oh, I'm bumping into things all the time. But when there's, we have no light whatsoever, you're in a pitch dark room, you will eventually get, you can't even see that your hand in front of your face, you will eventually get very disoriented. Yeah, I leave you there long enough you will probably start to panic. You'll get sick. And that's just on earth. In hell, it will be infinitely worse. Now, that's the types of death. As for the causes of death, we can see, and we can kind of see it on different, uh, different levels, different uh, perspectives. First of all, we can always focus on when we talk about death, and for those of us in the medical field, we talk about the physical, the cause of death. What is the cause of death? Pulmonary hypertension, you know, uh, perhaps. Was the way, you know, I, I think that's how I'm going to go, uh, probably. Um, very common, very common. I might, just went to see my doctor this week. I've been having um, 
I'm going to have some dizziness. Yeah. Um, lightheadedness. Yeah. Sometimes I take my blood pressure. I'm like, man. And sometimes hot, super high. Yeah. Doc told me those are unrelated, but I guess one's a, but, um, What is the physical cause of death? Heart attacks, strokes, cancer, accidents, and uh, old age, etc. We can look at death that way. Many different ways that people die from murder, suicide. You know, no matter how we die, whether in these, every physical way, it is never pleasant. Have you ever seen someone die? It said that most people in their life will see about one or two people die. Unless you're a medical professional, I guess. You may see more. The gasping of breath. Because um, that takes place at the end. The, the things, if you're, especially if you're a newbie, you know, like, you know, you that you're not your medical professional. It is very ingrained in your life. You, you can't wipe away the visions, the sights, and the sounds of someone dying. And when you see it, you really start to realize how horrible sin is. Because you realize as Christians, with this sin has brought about this death. Sin has caused it. And that's, and that's the second thing. Now, there's physical causes, but this sin is a cause of death. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. It's death. It's because of our sin. What we do because of our, because of our sin, because of whatever sins we commit, we earn like wages. We deserve death. It's, there is a check. Because of our, your sins, there is a check that has your name on it. And that, and that on the Mount Pable to you, it says death. You just haven't cashed it yet. Sin is a cause of death. But furthermore, we could say the Bible teaches us that Satan is a cause of death. Satan is, in John 8, 44, Jesus calls him the murderer from the beginning. He is one whom, uh, who, because of his deception of Eve, because of his lies, his half-lies to, to Eve, he tricked her to, to questioning God's truthfulness and God's character. He tempted her to partake of the fruit, and he, when she, and though he said, you shall not die. She and her husband, when they ate of the fruit, surely did die in that day. They died spiritually. And when you go to Genesis 5, what does it say there? It's that the, the pounding of like waves, the repetition of the, of from, from each forefather to, the, each fa- to their son, to their son. And they begat so many sons. And they lived so many years. And then they died. And then they died, and then they died, and then they died, and then down to your grandfather and great-grandfather, and he died, to your grandfather, and perhaps he has died, and to your father, and he has died, and is to you. 
written of you the same. And you died. Because of sin. Because of Satan's deception of Eve and Adam in that garden. Satan is our enemy. I still remember a, a conversation that a, a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, told me when, that he had with a, uh, with a, a, a fellow, I guess, a, not a fellow, but a, a person. And, and she told him, oh, I can't wait to go to hell. It's going to be just like one big party there. <laughs> she was deceived. Satan has deceived her to think that hell is going to be a party and heaven is going to be boring. There are many people who live like that. Not only do we see the physical cause of death, the sin's cause of death, Satan's cause of death, but if you think about it, on another level, on an ultimate level, in the sovereignty of God, the providence of God level, it is the cause of death himself is himself, God. God is ultimately the cause of death. There is no death on this earth that doesn't happen because of God. In Psalm 90, we find this in Psalm 90. I read it often uh, when I do funerals, especially right at the graveside. It talks about how we are consumed by God's anger and consumed by God's wrath. Our years waste away because we are, being, we are under God's wrath and judgment. And we're waiting for the day when eventually our lives will fly away, will be no more. Our souls will enter into eternity for hell. All of us are, going, are consumed by God and his wrath. You think about, remember the story of Job? Job, Satan said, let me, you know, uh, Satan said, went to God and said, Job, he only worships you because uh, he's, you know, you give him so many things. Let me, let me strike, his, strike him down and we'll see. And God let him say, God said, you can do whatever you wish, except you, don't, you cannot kill him. He cannot take his life. See, there, even Satan cannot take a life apart from God's permission. So these are the types of death. These are the cause of death. Hopefully a, a sobering, somber reflection upon death. And no matter how you slice death, when we consider it all in its fullness, there is no escaping it. There is none, no escape for death. It is overwhelmingly despairing and distressing when you fully grasp that we are going to die. Except if you have Christ. Except for Christ. Except for the death of Christ on the cross. For the death end and demise of death was accomplished upon the cross in the very death of Christ. We do not have to be afraid of death, despair of death, be distressed by death in all its manners because Christ Christ died on the cross, death died. As we look at just this passage that I want us to look at this morning, there's a subject that we all need to hear, a subject about the death of death and the death of Christ. 
not only for our own eternal destiny, we often think about it, Christ's death is for our sins, and we think about that our sins are forgiven, and that is absolutely true. But I also hopefully can preach, uh, apply this message for those of us out here who may be have experiencing, are experiencing the, the real and very personal wrestling and testing of the fear of death, our mortality that sets before us, that we must grasp these truths that we find here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, for the moments in life when we face the shadow of death. And when we face that final moment in life, when we, which, we, which, by the way, that very final moment in life, we all face alone. We face it alone. There was no one else there. No one else could can be with us when we walk through that final breath of life. When we face that last enemy, death itself. Turn with me if you have your Bibles in to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. The book of Hebrews is written to professing Jewish background believers who were facing increasing persecution for their faith. Some in fear were turning away from Christ and back to Judaism and its Levitical sacrifices. This book was written to remind the readers of the superiority of Christ, that Christ is better than what you are going back to. Christ is better than the Old Testament provisions, than the Old Testament sacrifices, than the Old Testament law, than the Old Testament prophets, than the Old Testament buildings. And in chapter 2, Christ is shown to be better Superior than the angels, the messengers of God, even. Particularly, Christ is better than the angels because of his humanity. Angels never take on humanity, but Christ, the Son of God, takes on humanity. And we see here the significance of that. He took on, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, Christ took on human flesh that he might taste death for everyone. In verses 14 to 15 of Hebrews chapter 2, we come then to our text that I want to look at this evening. may be an encouragement to you, and I think it's a text that we probably don't look at too closely, too much. Uh, it's just in this very rich uh, theological book of Hebrews. Uh, it's, it's one of many kind of uh, passages that just describe what Christ does for us when he dies. But today's text, these two verses, show us very clearly that the death of the death of death in the death of Christ. That death has been defeated. That it has no longer has power over us. That we no longer need to fear it because of the death of Christ. Okay? So let's take a look then as an outline. We see two ways that death is defeated through the death of Christ. First of all, the death of Christ defeated death in that it defeated the power of death. It defeats the power of death. And that's... Uh, <laughs> Almost didn't get, forgot to read the text completely. Let's read the text and then let's pray. Let's read. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Pray with me. Father, Lord, we pray that those of us here who are facing the inevitability of death, that all of us as we come across the, the test and the trial of the shadow of death in our lives in all its many manifest ways, that we would remember, that we would learn from your, this passage tonight, that Christ 
when he died, defeated death once and for all. And that, Lord, you delivered us so that we might not be under death's power and that we might not be enslaved to its fear. So, Father, we pray that your spirit would go forth and cause us to appreciate once more the great significance of the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we remember this evening and this day. In Jesus' name, amen. In Hebrews 2.14, we then see that Christ delivered us from the power of death. You notice that it says, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood. A little bit, you have to, the word children there refers to the children of God. There's a little bit of context there. It comes out of a quote from Isaiah. But it is, in, a, in, in, its, in its, we can understand it as referring to the children of God, believers in Christ. And in this verse, we learn that Christ took on human flesh and blood because the children of God are flesh and blood. This is the very reason why Jesus took on human flesh. He took on human flesh because the children, the ones whom God chose from eternity past to be saved, are of flesh and blood. Flesh and blood simply refers to our humanity. We are all flesh and blood, whereas angels are not. God is not. They are spirit. But God does not send Jesus to to die and save angels. He sent his son to die and for and save mankind, flesh and blood like you and me. And what's so significant is why he must come because we who are in our flesh and blood cannot do anything about our problem. We cannot save ourselves. The New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, reveals that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot, in our own strength, inherit the kingdom of God. Sinful man and woman, we are all totally depraved. We are, there is no one who does good, not even one. Even our best deeds are filthy rags before God. Because everything that we do, our mind, our soul, our, our, our actions, our words, they're all affected by sin in some way. So we're incapable of doing good. And not only that, we're incapable of grasping the truth of the gospel. We would not even know that we, we are, we don't even know that we're at enmity with God, much less that God has made a way that we might re- have peace with him. But the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ partook of flesh. That word partook is a very unique word. It describes him taking on something that is not his in his nature. It's something that's different from himself. He partook of flesh and blood to identify with those are flesh and blood. And the rest of verses 14 and 15 then tell us the purpose for his humanity. That is, he came to deliver his people from the devil. That through his death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil, it says. Because we, all of us as human beings, as mankind, we're all under the devil's power. We're all before Jesus. You are either a children of God or you are a children of the devil. John puts it, puts in a first John. And all of us before without without Christ are children of the devil. Jesus even called the religious leaders children of their father, Satan, the devil. Ever since the fall of mankind, the devil has had his, the power of death over the human race. He has a, a 
if you will, a, a, a right to go before God and says, that person, because of their sin, deserves to die, God. And if you are just as you say you are, they should die. He deserves to die. She deserves to die. Kill them now before they do more evil. Although Satan himself can do nothing apart from God's permission, as the author of sin, the devil has power over us. He has power over us in that that we experience the consequence of sin, that is our own death. And everyone born to man would eventually die a physical death that would usher him and her or her into an eternal death in hell. This is his power, death. Death brings more people, more souls to join him in his doom. And this is why, though, Christ took on humanity. That he took, because the children share in flesh and blood, he took on the flesh and blood. That's through, through death. It's the death of flesh and blood, the death of humanity. He could have put through his death, and it is through his death, but it is through particularly a death of another man. Through the first man, Adam, sin entered the human race. But through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, grace, forgiveness, and eternal life are imputed to those who believe. Jesus Christ took on humanity that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. Christ's death renders the devil powerless. The bite is taken out of his power. It's like a a lion with all his teeth and claws missing, taken out. He can roar. And it's still pretty frightening when you see a lion, even if he has no teeth, it has no claws. It's still pretty strong, but he cannot harm you. Yet the reality is we all still die. We all still die because our, our bodies, our, our, the body that we dwell in is under the curse of sin. It has to die. It has to die for the curse of sin to be completely removed from it. So when that when Christ returns, it shall be made new, be raised up in glorification, free from sin. But it was through Christ's death that paid the penalty for our sins. And one day when we die, we will be delivered completely from the presence of sin in our lives. Christ suffered and died as our representative on the cross. We preach this every week in our classes, and our Sunday school classes, that he died in place of us. He took our place on the cross. He's our substitute. And he could only be our substitute by taking on human flesh and blood. And that's what he did. And when he died on the cross, he set us free from death, from the power of death. We no longer have to be afraid of the for those who believe in Christ, the, the eternal judgment of death. Paul writes, the apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 to 57, oh death, where is your victory? Where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. That is sin is that sting that causes death. And the power of sin is the law. That the law brings about the knowledge of sin in our lives. 
But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we have the Bible, and that is like a law. It reflects the law of God. And when we look at in and of ourselves, we will see that we are under judgment, that we have sin. And because we have sin, we, are, we, should, we realize that it has stung us and that death is inevitable for us. But if those, for those of us who are in Christ, there is no, that sting of death is taken away. It's, there is no more death because Christ took our death on the cross, you see. He gives us victory through Jesus Christ. You know, when I buried my father, I, uh, I you know, like most of us, when we bury our parents, uh, I weeped and I, I wept and I cried. Wept and I cried. It hurt. But this verse, because my father believed in Jesus Christ as a Savior and Lord, kept coming to me. And even as I was crying, I had this sense of joy that is going to be well with my father. Because though I see his physical death, that physical death has no victory over him. It does not condemn him to eternity in hell. For now he is in glory with the Father, with Jesus Christ. Because Christ paid for our sins, there is no more sting that leads to death. But only for those who have believed and put their faith in Christ. You're here on a Good Friday. You're here in a church on a on a, one of our, the holiest days, holiest weekends in the church calendar. I hope and pray that you have believed upon Christ, that you have recognized that you are a sinner, that we're all sinners, and that sin condemns you to an eternity of God, apart from God, and that you have recognized that Christ died for you in place. And that if you have recognized that Christ died for you, then you will confess and repent of your sin and have believed and received Christ Jesus. Have you done that? Is Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord? Can I get an amen? Amen, amen right? Uh, and if you're, if you're not sure, come talk to me afterwards. Go talk to a friend afterwards. Today of all days or Sunday, may it be a day of salvation. Oh, sleeper, it is time to awake. Death is real, and it's coming. And it's more than just physical death. But Christ died your death that you might experience forgiveness and eternal life. Set you free from the power of death. That's what Christ did for us when he died. But not only do we see that he set us free from the power of death, but in a very, in a, in a very, also, equally so, he set us free from the fear of death. He delivered us from the fear of death in the death of Christ. Verse 15, we read this, that and, so not only did he uh, deliver us from the devil who had the power of death, but also through his death, he might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Our Savior has come to set us free. We talk about a lot about freedom in our land. And our nation as a, as a nation is probably the most, it's the, it's the best nation in this world when it comes to freedom. We stand for freedom. It's part of our constitution. It's just part of who, the makeup of, of Americans. We, we welcome people who are looking for freedom. 
from tyranny, from oppression. We welcome them to come and join us in this land. But there's something else that's much more that Christ sets us free from. You know, you can be set free, you can live in this land of freedom, and you can be a work, you can be completely enslaved to the fear of death. Enslaved to something that you're not even aware of that will bring you a greater doom than any tyranny and terror that you have run away from or fled from. And that is the tyranny and the terror of Satan who uses this power of death to create, cause in us the fear of death. Christ came to set us free from this slavery to Satan in this way. Satan enslaves all of us through the fear of death. And we see that kind of referred in, in Romans 8.15 in, so, in, a, in a, an allusion to it. But the fear of death is real. I, I would definitely say amen to that this past year. I've experienced it. And it can be intense. All of us as a, as a nation, we, we try not to think about death. We, we try to hide it. You go to every funeral, it's, you know, we, the funeral parlors, homes, they're, they're nice places. They're beautiful places. Yeah. And though we try to hide from death, we don't want to see death, we see its shadows everywhere throughout our lives. In a little booklet entitled Facing Death with Hope, uh, the author, David Paulison, is a big counseling dude, he writes this, death is the ultimate loss, but many smaller losses also bring the shadow of death into your life. And then he goes on, and I love it because it was really just profound, the thought of it. And he's absolutely right that though death is the ultimate loss, there are all these little losses that we experience that foreshadow, that point to the ultimate loss of death. And he lists them for us, and these are his words. So, but I just, and I thought I showed you, when we lose our health, some of us have lost some, have health issues, health illnesses, disease. When you lose, some maybe get injured. When we lose our health, it is a shadow of death. When we lose our, the loss of loved ones in our lives, that's a shadow of death. When we lose our youth, I just got a haircut this past week, and man, I, they should have a sign. If you, you know, if you don't look down, because all I saw was just white hair on the, on the floor. It's like, what? Oh my goodness. It was just white hair everywhere. And it's, it's like, like 70% white hair coming out of it. Like, oh. And I just realized, that, you know what? And it made me think, I'm dying. I cannot, you know. But, you know, it made, it made me think of that. I am dying. It's not just premature, you know, grayness of hair. It's just my, as I grow older, I realize I'm losing my youth. And that's just reminding me that death is coming. Loss of independence. Um, for, uh, as we grow older, we... We cannot do some of the things we did as a young, as we were younger, and we need help. I remember uh, helping my grandmother or grandfather, uh, just even to to walk up five or six flights of stairs every day when they would go in and out, just to help them out of the car, 
pure, you know, many of us young people, we just got, you know, I'm out there. But when you have to depend upon your grandchild to go up some steps, to get out of a car, to just sometimes, as we get more, as we grow older, to, to, to take a bath, to use the toilet. Those are all kind of a, a sobering reminder of the shadow of death. Talk about loss of usefulness. All of us, as we grow older, we, we find ourselves sometimes as not able to do some of the things we used to do at work, for instance. And because of that, we, well, sometimes we decide to retire. We can't do things as quickly as we used to. Our brains are not as sharp, perhaps. And so when we lose our usefulness, sometimes we, we lose our jobs. Happens not only in work, but sometimes it happens in church. Happens in church. Vibrant, active, full, faithful Sunday school teachers find themselves sitting in the pulpit, in the pews, Sunday after Sunday, faithfully hearing the word, but not given that opportunity to teach the, the kids as he or she may once did. And I can imagine that there's a sense of, in that of a shadow of death. We also face the loss of meaning, Paulison says, the loss of meaning. As we grow older, and I'm already starting to realize it, wow, a lot of things that we once put our kind of meaning, our identity, or our value in, they really start losing their meaning. You realize, like, I used to um, collect, like, baseball cards and stuff like that. Oh, man, when I my last move, I said, what do I need these things for? They have no meaning in my life. I just gave them to Brother Allen. Help you sold them, bro. You know, just like, man. <laughs> He, he was a young man. They still collect cars. They still find, you know, value in that. <laughs> yeah. The things we pursued, you know, as we get older, we start realizing the things that were so important to us stop being important. The televisions, the, the cars, the house, they're just not as important. They're fun, don't get me wrong, okay, to have and all that stuff. But as you get older, you realize, oh, that's not important. As Christians, we start realizing there's more important things in life. We have this loss of meaning. So these are just different ways. They're all cast, the shadow of death. And hopefully you've experienced this to some way or other um, in your life. Because all those are ways that the shadow of death shines upon us. Paulson writes this. Uh, the fear and dread we feel when we face our own death stems from our deep down sense that we have failed to perfectly obey God. We deserve to die. When the reality of death strikes you, it causes fear. And that, Paulson says, that fear and dread ultimately goes back to the sense that we know in our sense, because all of us know innately the existence of God. And we know that God is holy and God is, uh, God is uh, God of justice. And we know that we are under his judgment. And that fear manifests in our fear of death because we know we've all failed God. And we all know we deserve to die. Though sinful man tries to ignore it. There are, uh, I was just reading up on the fear of death this past uh, week a little bit. And... One of the ways that we deal with the fear of death, the number one way that people deal with the fear of death is basically by uh, a form of 
denial. We just try to deny uh, that death is coming. And we deny death, of course, it's not just intellectual, oh, I, I'm not going to die, I'm not going to die. Okay? It's not like that. But it manifests in the things that we do. We live, we continue living as if we're never going to die. We, we, and one of the ways that we, uh, and one of the particular ways is that we, we pursue the collection of things. You, do you do that? You collect things? And they have value to you? Right? Oh, man, I thought all the things I've collected over the lifetime. Okay? We do it because we think, oh, that's cool. I don't care if it's a rock. I don't care if it's those little, you know, plates, precious moments, baseball caps, baseball cards, Pokemon stuff. <laughs> Whatever it is you collect, know that it is possible. It is likely that we put, by you putting value in that is a form of basically denying that you're going to, because why? You're going to lose it. We're, we're, keep, we're gathering stuff in this life that we're, going, we're not going to keep. You're all going to lose it. We're going to lose everything. It's really just a form of denial. If, if, I, keep, if I keep getting more cars, oh, yeah, I'm going to live forever. Is, and, and we don't think that, that logically like that. But it's this illusion that our, our life's going on. Life's great. No, no, I want to just make sure that it's not wrong to collect things, okay? Just keep them in perspective of the reality of death that's coming. The fear of death enslaves us. It enslaves us, and, you know, denial is the most common, but in other ways, man looks to a way out of death. And so they sometimes turn to idols. They sometimes turn to other religions, other, you know, uh, practices that uh, they, people start turning to exercise, thinking that we could extend our life and not from, keep ourselves from dying. And, that's not, and that works only so far, but we all inevitably die. That fear of death is, is a real, and it will fa- we will all face it. But once again, Jesus Christ died to set us free from the fear of death set us free from slavery to Satan and this fear, set us free from being people that want to deny the fact that we're going to die, but we must be people who accept that we're going to die. Are you ready for your death? Are you ready for your death? Not that we would be morbid and, you know, dear Lord, help me to die. hope I die today so I can be with you, you know, nothing like that. But, you know, that we are ready, that... Because I know where I stand with Christ, should the day, this be the day or should tomorrow be the day and I don't wake up or I get struck down and I, I am ready to meet Christ. I am ready. Jesus Christ being human, being flesh and blood, faced not only his own death, but he also faced the very fear of death on the cross or before the cross. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? What did Jesus do there? He was praying. What would he say? Father, he says, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. You know, what was Jesus doing there? He's actually praying, Lord, if I cannot die, I don't want to die. But then he, 
that in his humanity, he experienced the fear of death. He did not want to die. Yet not my will, but yours be done, he said. And then verse 44 describes the agony that he was experiencing. Being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And then it talks about, you know, it's tears coming out that were mixed with blood and waters. We won't get there. That's, a, that's another discussion someday. Jesus was tempted in all things, yet without sin. And yes, he was tempted even with the temptation in the face of the fear of death to not trust God, to not follow God's ways. But he, of course, passed the test. He said, yet not my will, but thine. He depended upon God. He looked upon death, death and, he went, and he proceeded to die in obedience to the Father. We too will face the fear of death and be tempted to not trust in the Lord. I feel it each time when I'm overwhelmed by that sense of fear of death. I feel it. But it's a test. It caused me to rethink again. No, death is not something to be afraid of. Because if our fate is in Christ, death is not the end. Death is not our doom. Death is the beginning of life eternal. Death is our great entrance into the presence of Christ. For the believer in Christ, to live is Christ, right? But to die is gain. All right. Philippians 121. When I speak at funerals, uh, I almost often speak from Psalm 23. Because these words are of the greatest comfort to, I believe, to, to the saints out there in the face of death. And in this great psalm, Psalm 23, we really learn three things about our Lord when we face the fear of death. It talks about, you know, when he walked the valley of shadow death. That's a, that psalm, right? Number one, the psalmist realizes that the Lord is his pastor. Of course, the word is shepherd, but that's what a shepherd means. Shepherd is a, a pa pastor is a shepherd. He says, the Lord is my pastor, my shepherd, and I shall not want. He guides and leads me. Basically, he, he knows that God is going to be there for him. He's going to guide his soul. That's what pastors are, are, exist for. We, we're to guide you by the truth, to show you the way. The, this is the way to facing death, by trusting in Christ. Not only that, does he knows that the Lord is his shepherd, but he knows also that the Lord is his protector, even though he walks through the valley of shadow of death, he does not fear any evil. He doesn't fear, he's not afraid of the harm. He's not afraid of what he's going to experience in the valley of shadow of death. Why? Because, he's, but because thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They protect him. The rod and staff, they are, they are uh, not only a sense of, for guiding, but they're a sense for protecting, chasing away enemies. And then thirdly, the psalm says he's my provider. The Lord is his provider that not only he, has, he not only has all his needs on earth met, but ultimately he has a home in heaven with his, with his shepherd forever. I will, he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Satan wants to enslave us with the fear of death. But Christ's death on the cross disarms Satan. 
And as you, as a Christian, when you face death, think of it. Not for, we will be tempted to think of the terror of it, the agony of it. And there are some Christians, some of us, who will die a difficult death, a painful death. Some of us will die from cancer, which will be painful. But while our t- focus will tend to be on the dying, on the death, the process of death, may instead you see death as more of a tunnel, a tunnel or a valley, as the psalmist puts it, a valley that leads to Christ on the other end. Yes, the tunnel is dark, and there is a great temptation to despair. But if you look just beyond the tunnel, you will see there at the very end, for those who have faith in Christ, you will see him. You will see Christ. For he has promised to go before us to prepare a place for, for you. And when he comes, he will take you to be with him forever. Well, brothers and sisters, the death of Christ has accomplished all this for us. The death of Christ has set us free from Satan's rule, set us free from the power of death, and set us free from the fear of death. And we can say with confidence as we face death, when you face the shadows of death, that death is nothing to, is, should not cause me to despair. Death has lost its grip on me as we sing. As we sing. That, when that because we long to see Jesus, death, when it comes, can even be a place of peace and joy. Because we know that just at the other end, is eternal bliss with Christ our Savior, the one who died for you and me. You know, it's hard to say that I'm looking forward to my death, but I can confidently say that I'm looking forward to Christ. I want to see Christ. I want to be with Christ. And if death is the door to Christ, then I welcome it. I will welcome it. And may God help me to trust in him through that whole process. May God cause us to trust in him through that process. And this is all possible because of Christ's death. He defeated the the death on on the cross. He defeated Satan on the cross. Our death is transformed because of our shepherd. He died and he didn't, and he did it all because of his love and grace towards us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for just causing us to reflect upon death. And though, Lord, I, I know that when we're young, it's so hard to grasp death. It's so hard to, to grasp it's the reality of it, that inevitably it comes. Father, I pray that you would cause us to, in due time, Prepare and be ready for death. For we know that we are ready for death because Christ died our death on the cross. He paid the penalty for us. He died in our place 
so that we would no longer be under death's power, that we would no longer be enslaved to the fear of death. Lord, we thank you. We pray that as we live our lives, may we live our lives not in denial of death, but may we live our lives with a great desire, a longing to see Christ, and that we might even say with Paul, to live as Christ, to die though, to die is gain, for we shall see Christ face to face. And our walk by faith shall be turned to a walk by sight. And what we all are not, and what we all long to be, we shall become when we see our Savior face to face. Walking in perfect righteousness because of Christ, our Savior. We thank you, Father, for your great love towards us in your Son. We thank you for your grace towards us in him. Lord, we worship and praise you for this. In Jesus' name.